Hello and welcome to the Hales Owen Apostolic Church. Apostolic meaning what God says, not what man thinks. Please enjoy this teaching and if you want more, visit the website at halesowenapostolicchurch.org. about you but sometimes I, I seem to appear to, to be sighing more often than not these days my wife if she was here today she'd say yeah he always sighs and I don't know why <laughs> I really don't know why but I do know that I've got something for you this morning from the Lord and I hope this will resonate with us as a church and as individuals as we go on the journey with, with our Lord. So over the past couple of weeks, the Lord has been impressing on my heart something around, something that's, that's been lost over the generations, something that's been lost over these decades, I'd say, something that's been eroded over that time, that's so precious to the Lord. But it seems that we, as a world and as a church, we have lost the value of what the Lord wants to talk to us about this morning. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, Math, what are you talking about? What is the value that God is talking about? Well, I'm going to unpack it, but before we get there, I want, to, I want us to turn to Genesis 7. Genesis 7. For those of you that are new to the Bible, Genesis is obviously the first book. And it's a wonderful book because it talks about how God breathed creation, how he, he made creation, how he put the world together in the perfect state with Adam and Eve. And then the fall came and the world became chaotic and in disorder. We lost our relationship with our Lord and we struggled to do the right thing as we walked through life. As the Bible says, we all fall short of the glory of God. So just before we get to seven, Let's give you a bit of preamble. So God saw how wicked the world had become. And he decided to do something about it. He decided to actually wipe out humankind off the face of the earth. But one righteous man among all the people of that time, Noah, found favor in God's eyes. With very specific instructions, God told Noah to build an ark for him and his family in preparation for a flood that would destroy every living thing on earth. God also instructed Noah to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, both male and female, and seven pairs of all clean animals, along with every kind of food to be stored for the animals and for his family while on the ark. Noah obeyed everything God commanded him to do. So let's pick up chapter 7. 
bear with me because we're going to go through a couple of chapters here to set the scene before we get into the word of God and what he wants to bring to us. So I'm going to read from my laptop, but please feel free to follow along and call out any mistakes there. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and a female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species of lie alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals, of clean, sorry, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and every creeping, every creeps on the earth, two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. And in the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah, Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird after its kind every bird and every sort and they went into the ark to noah two by two of all flesh which is in the breath of the life so those who entered male and female of all flesh went in as god commanded him and the lord shut him in now the flood was on the earth 40 days the waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the water. The waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. Were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upwards, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life. All that was on dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping things, and birds of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who, who, who were with him inside the ark remained alive. 
and the water prevailed on the earth 150 days. Chapter 8. Chapter 8, bear with me. I know this is a lot of scripture. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made the wind pass over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days of the water... The waters decreased. Then the ark rested on the seventh month of the seventeenth day of the month on the mountain of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the windows of the ark which he had made. He sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out, sent out from him a dove to see if the waters had receded from the, fa from, from the face of the ground. Sorry. The dove found no resting place for the soles of her foot and returned to, to the ark, into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and, and took her and drew her ins inside the ark to himself. And then he waited another seven days and again sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came back to him in the evening and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited and yet another seven days he sent out the dove which did not return again anymore. And he came to pass in the 600th and the first year of the first month of the first day of the month that the waters were dried up from the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and indeed the surface of the ground was dry in the second month on the 27th day of the month the earth was dry wow I'm exhausted just reading that I don't know how Noah must have felt being in that ark for all those days. So when the, the Lord revealed this sort of scripture to me a few weeks ago, when I started to sort of pray and seek what he was trying to bring to the church, it was quite interesting. It wasn't that Noah was righteous and he was the only guy on the earth that God found favor with. That is true, amen. But the Lord wants to tell us something slightly different this morning. He said to me, my people, have forgot how to wait upon me as I have waited upon them. Think about it. We have forgot how to wait upon the Lord as he waits upon us continually. Look at Noah, how he waited. Unbelievable that we'll unpack in a second. But before we get into the biblical truth, I just want to go and reflect on the current state of our world today. I just want to bring us back into this century, who we are, where we are as a world, and where we are as Christians in this world, because that's really important. Hands up who was born before the year 2000. It's going to get embarrassing. Before 1990. 
I'm going to stop, don't worry. Before the 1980s, and I won't go any further. So, Mark, <laughs> Mark gets the prize. <laughs> Why am I asking that? Look, guys, listen. This world that we live in, this current generation, has seemed to have lost the art and the ability to wait. It's ridiculous. For those of us that were born and lived in the 80s, we understand and know probably the previous generation to what we were born in seem to have a better ability to wait upon things in comparison to where we are today. The 1980s, if you remember, you could only go shopping probably Monday to Friday, maybe half day Saturday. The hours that you could go to the shops were nine till five. You had a template handed down from your, your parents about what you do and how you wait for things in this world. It was built into your character. You understood that you needed to wait for things in this world. Think about it. In the 90s, what happened? We did away with Sundays being the, the, the day of rest, didn't we, in this country? Terrible. We entered into a seven-day week frenzy of being able to, to, to buy, to, to purchase goods, materials, food, any time of day. We are losing the value and understanding of how we should wait and the benefit of what that brings when you wait. This generation seems to have just lost that sense that actually to wait for something means you're going to get something, but in the waiting, there's more value. Look where we are today, year 2000, going into the 10s and 20s. We had the dot-com boom, didn't we, where you could go online and purchase anything instantly. You no longer needed to wait for the shops to open. The value of waiting has eroded in this decade. Look at Amazon Prime, and I'll put my hand up in this. You go online, and for me, it's like, what can I get? I want that. How can I get it? I want it quick. I don't want to wait a day or a week. I can now wait hours for Amazon to turn up and give me what I require. We've lost this ability and understanding of what we should be looking like as Christians in this world. How does that link into Noah, I hear you say? Well, in God's kingdom, in God's world, we should not be shaped or be conformed with how we operate as we see the world. We should bring God's kingdom into our lives and his values to influence the world. We should not be shaped by the world, but rather we should be shaping the world. You see, there's something that God does with us as Christians in the waiting. It builds up character. It builds up our expectation. And when we see God move in the waiting, it builds up our hope and faith in the living God. Every journey God puts us on is developing things in us. It's in the waiting we get developed. It's in the valley that we see what God can really do. It's great, isn't it, to see instantaneous moves of God. We see in the Bible where Jesus healed people instantly. 
where Jesus spoke and he cast out demons instantly. I'm not talking about that thing today. That is true. And that's the word of God. And that's what we should seek and expect. But also God wants us to see the value in what he does with us in the waiting. There are many examples in the Bible where you can see God's people that are indeed waiting. Think about this. Jesus, before he ascended up into heaven, he told the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. We can see that, can't we? Why didn't God fill them instantly? There was something that God wanted to do in the waiting. Before he ascended, he says, don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost, that's when it came. Something God did with the disciples in the waiting. Last week, we celebrated the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God was doing something in the waiting before he came back to us as the, as the resurrected figure. He wasn't asleep. He was at work doing something in the waiting before he appeared to us as his Christians. And we all wait now, don't we, for the greatly anticipated return of our Lord Jesus Christ. But let's just get back to Noah for a second. In Genesis 6, 9, we can see that Noah was a just man and he walked with God. God talked to Noah. He communed, communed with him. You can see clearly that the relationship was built. God told Noah what, he was, what was going to happen. God listened. Uh, Noah listened. God told Noah what he needed to do. In Genesis 6, 14 through to 22, we see God was really specific on what to build and how to build the ark. The dimensions and the layout, everything Noah needed to survive was provided by God. Noah didn't decide to do something different. He listened to God and he obeyed exactly what God told him to do. So what about you this morning? What are you waiting on from the Lord? Maybe he's already spoken to you or impress something on your heart to do something. Maybe that's got you with, with fear or anxiety or maybe there's a, an unknown quantity about how you're going to fulfill what you think the Lord has placed upon your heart. Or maybe you're caught up in your own motives. Maybe God has spoken, but maybe there's something else that you seek bottom line is, we read in Genesis, God spoke, Noah obeyed. In verse 17, we can see that the flood of the earth was for 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark and it rose high above the earth. God says what he will do. He told Noah what was going to happen. And it happened. His word does not return void. He finishes what he starts. He's the same today as he was back then and forevermore. God says what he will do and he will do it. In verse 24, we can see that the waters prevailed on the earth for 100 
and 50 days. Oh my Lord, that's a long time. And as I started to reflect on this this morning, I sort of said to the Lord, wow, why 150 days? That's incredible. Think about it. God flooded the earth, but yes, it was 150 days long. What was God doing in that moment with Noah? What was God doing in the waiting before the earth became dry? Noah had to wait. Like us today, there's something about us needing to wait upon the Lord. It says at the end of the 40 days, he sent out a raven and a dove with no joy. The water was too high. No land was present. <laughs> Listen to what the scripture says. Noah waited another seven days. He then sent out the dove from the ark. And then he waited another seven days on top of that before the dove did not return. There was 150 days of the water being on the earth. And then there's another two-week period that Noah is trying to find the, the signs from the Lord to say that now is the time to settle and go out from the ark. What about you this morning? Would you trust God if he asked you to build an ark? Would you listen to what he was trying to tell you? I think some, some of us probably just stand there and question what we are what we are listening from the Lord. It's confidence in God. Confidence in who he is and confidence in what we receive. Noah's confidence must have been really high. But interestingly, think about this. God didn't tell Noah how many days it would take after the rain had stopped. So he told him it was going to be 40 days and 40 nights. And we get an impression there of 150 days and then a two-week period before the dove actually stopped and returned with an olive in his mouth. But God didn't actually reveal that to Noah whilst he was on the ark. There was something about Noah just trusting in God and knowing that God would deliver him as he told him to before he entered the ark. You see, Noah understood the value of waiting upon God and trusting in God. So this morning, what are you waiting on, church? Or who are you waiting on? It's interesting how God brings people into your lives whilst you're waiting. Think about it. It may be blind to you, but the Lord will bring people and circumstance to your life to shape you and to move you to the place that the Lord wants you to be. What is your ark this morning? What is the direction of travel that the Lord is taking you on? But more importantly, who is in your ark? Because God has told you to put them with you. You know, the ark can sometimes feel like you're going into uncharted, uncharted waters. You don't know where you're going, but you know that the Lord's with you. Be thankful for that. Without the Lord, you would perish in this world. Be thankful that he's in your life and the Spirit of God is in you, working through you, for you. I've heard this scripture a number of times this morning, which is 
incredible how the, the Lord works. Are you leaning on his understanding? In other words, don't lean on your own understanding. Have you acknowledged him? Because his ways are higher than our ways. Noah did. Noah walked with God. And through that, he had, he had confidence in the character of God. Do you know your Lord this morning? Do you have that deep confidence about who he is this morning? I'm not talking about just reading scripture. I'm talking about do you know and have confidence of the character of the Lord this morning? Character of God. Noah did. Noah listened and obeyed. He didn't question God's ways. He waited. He waited. He waited for the waters to come. He waited for the animals to come. He waited for the rain to start falling. He waited for God to lead him into the ark. And as it says, God shut him in. He was patient whilst on the journey of the ark across the, the earth when the water was high. He was pain, patient for the rain to stop and then for the waters to recede. You see, guys, you may be going through life at the moment, sitting in an ark, floating on the top of the, the ocean, feeling lost and abandoned at sea. Maybe you feel that the Lord has been distant with you. Or maybe you're not understanding where this ark is trying to take you. Be confident this morning that the Lord says, wait upon him. See his face. Wait upon the Lord. Be full of trust and wait upon God. So who's leading you this morning? Is it yourself? Is it man? Or is it God? You need to ask the question to yourself this morning. Who's leading you? What are the motives? Where are you going? Is it with the Lord? Or is it with yourself? Remember what the Lord said to me at the beginning. My people have forgotten how to wait upon me as I have waited upon them. So what can we do about this? What's our response to the scripture of Noah? And what can we learn about the waiting in our lives today? Well, I'd like to suggest the first thing we definitely need to do is have communion with God. That should be the central point of our walk every single day, is to be centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. We should spend time with him. Praying, worshipping, inviting him into situation, listening, listening to what he says. You know, the Lord can talk in so many different ways. He can impress things through scripture. He can be speaking to you through other people. He can speak directly to you. But guys, let's just remember that he does speak. Listen to what he's saying to you. Most importantly, respond. What is the point of receiving if we don't respond to what he's saying? What is the point of standing in the presence of the Lord 
if we don't say thank you, Father, and act upon it. I love the Psalms. I love how King David shows us on a regular basis how he felt that sometimes he was encamped with enemies all around him. But he knew, he knew with confidence who he was and who the Lord was in his life. He knew the value of waiting upon the Lord. It was deep, a very deep value system that he had in his heart. Why? Because he knew God. He encountered God. It wasn't some superficial thing. It was very present in his life. Guys, when you get to that point of being so intimate with the Lord, you can be confident no matter where you are on the ark, no matter what ocean you seem to be going down, that the Lord, our God, is with you every step of the way. You may not understand through the weight in what is happening, but be confident that he does, and you don't need to. Be confident that wherever he's taking you to is exactly the right place to be. You shouldn't be swimming against the tide. Don't swim upstream. You should be flowing with the Spirit of God. You should be flowing with the Holy Spirit. Why fight the Lord? He's good. Why would we want to do anything other than what the Lord desires you and us to do? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Wow, what a scripture. We need the grace of God, don't we? Amen. And we need the love of God. Amen. But we also need communion with God through the Spirit. Says, be with you all. It's not for a select few. These are three characteristics of God grace, love, and communion. He's a God that wants to commune with you, for you, in all circumstance. In Psalm 46 1, it says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Guys, when you're waiting, when you think you're in trouble, be confident. He's our very present help. He's always with us when we feel encamped or in trouble. He's our refuge and our strength. So don't forget to commune with the Lord. The second thing I want to give you is be courageous. Be courageous. Let God shape you and your circumstance versus letting the circumstance shape you and your heart towards God. Think about it. How many times do we find ourselves in circumstance and we blame God or we don't think it's fair or we don't understand what is happening, Lord? We've got to be courageous in our heart to understand that God is shaping us and don't let the circumstance shape you. And most importantly, don't let it shape your heart against the Lord. In Joshua 1.9, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. 
Be strong. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Powerful words. But they are only words if you don't know God. Amen? They're only words on a, pa- on, a, on a piece of paper unless you know the very presence of God. You need to know the characteristics of God so when you read, your spirit says, hey, I'm going to say, be of good courage. Be strong. Do not be afraid. For your Lord, your God is, where, where, is with you wherever you go. In Psalm 31, 24, it also tells us to be of good courage. And I love the second part. And he will. He will strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. I'm sure that we all hope in Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. So be strengthened in your heart in times of trouble. Be courageous. Let God shape you, not you. Let not let the circumstance shape you. Number three, be confident. With courage, has, you have to have confidence. I like to call them twin brothers. Yeah, they hang around together. You've got one brother called courage, and you've got another brother called confidence. We need them both in our lives. We need both those things in our lives. Be confident of God, who he is, and what he does for you. For he goes before you. He's beside you, behind you, inside you, and all around you. But listen, waiting is sometimes part of his journey. But be confident that he's with you in the journey. In Philippians 4.13, it tells us that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. In Psalm 27, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Confident in the name of the Lord our God. Hebrews 10, 35 to 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. So after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Be confident in whatever you are doing today with the Lord. And finally, the fourth one I want to give you those that are writing things down, you'll know that all these begin with C. Be confident, but also remember the covenant. Remember the covenant of God. Think about Noah. Noah entered the ark. He had to wait with patience, being courageous and confident on God. And when he came out of the ark, God gave him a new covenant. He made a new agreement with Noah. But what about us? What's our covenant? It's Jesus Christ. It's the blood of the Lamb. Through that new covenant, be confident of who you are in God. You're a child of God. Yeah? Remember the covenant that he made with not just you, but for anyone in this world to take today. He died on the cross to take away the sins of the world. He tore the veil in two so we could go boldly and access the throne room of God wherever we need to. John 3, 16. 
I don't need to say it, but I'll start it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Be confident, but remember the covenant. Just like Noah, you may be feeling lost at sea this morning. Or maybe you're confident that God is taking you on the journey. Either way, remember, Noah waited and waited and waited. Noah communed with God and he was confident with God and he was of good courage. He didn't leave God out of the situation. In fact, there was nowhere really for him to go. But we don't read that he was of despair or dismay. He was confident in, in God and he was, of, he was of good courage. So this morning, church, as I finish, I want to leave you with something simple. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. Whatever you're in, wait, I say.